Chapter Eight of Stories of the Victoria Cross by Frank Mundell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Humane and Brave. One of the most thrilling incidents of the mutiny was the defence of Arar. Twelve Europeans and a small force of Sikhs were shut up in a two-storied dwelling-house and bravely withstood the repeated attacks of thousands of sepoys for about a week before help arrived. An attempt was made to relieve the little band sooner, but it ended in failure. A force of 400 men under Captain Dunbar embarked on the Ganges at Dinapur, 24 miles distant, to go to the help of the besieged. At seven in the evening, they landed and began their march. All went well till within three miles of their destination, when a murderous fire was opened on them from behind a thick grove of trees. The soldiers fell thick and fast, for they were on high ground, while the foe lurked unseen. Captain Dunbar was among the first to fall, and after that, all was confusion and slaughter. After a time, our men rallied and sought refuge in a hollow, but they were still exposed to the fire of the lurking foe. At daybreak, the little band decided that their only hope of safety lay in retreat. So, exhausted, hungry, and dispirited, they began to retrace their steps. From behind every tree, as it seemed, poured the leaden hail, but they kept steadily on towards the river. At length they were seized with panic, and the sole desire of each man was to save his own skin. But, disastrous as was the retreat, it was not all disgraceful. There will always be acts of individual heroism, when Englishmen go out to battle. It may be a soldier, or it may be a civilian, in whom the irrepressible warrior instinct manifests itself in some act of conspicuous gallantry and devotion, but it is sure never to be wanting. Amongst those who accompanied the relief expedition were Ross Mangles and MacDonnell, both members of the civil service on the march they gave great assistance and acted as guides when the firing began mangles was stunned by a musket ball but he soon recovered and busied himself in helping the surgeon to bind up his comrade's wounds and in carrying water to ease the burning agony of their thirst when the retreat began, he inspired those near him with hope and courage by his resolute bearing. He managed to keep near him a small knot of men who supplied him with a succession of loaded muskets. As he was a dead shot, the sepoys thought proper to keep their distance. He seemed to bear a charmed life, for though men fell round him on all sides, he was untouched. About six miles from the river, 
a soldier of the 37th Regiment, who had been wounded and left helpless on the ground, begged Mangles not to leave him to be butchered by the sepoys. He did not ask in vain. Kneeling down amid the storm of musketry, Mangles bound up the man's wounds, lifted him upon his back, and marched on with his burden. Though he had not broken his fast for twenty-four hours, nor closed his eyes in sleep for forty-eight, he afterwards declared that he had never felt so strong in his life. Over the rough and swampy ground he bore his helpless charge, though frequently obliged to lay down his burden and rest. Even then he stood over the wounded man, and fired at the rebels whenever he had a chance. At last the weary six miles were covered, and the river was reached. Then, swimming out and holding up the helpless man in the water, Mangles got him safely into one of the boats. He afterwards saw him into good hands at the hospital at Dinapur, with leisure to thank God and his preserver for his almost miraculous deliverance. The soldier's name was Richard Taylor, and several months passed before he was able to leave the hospital and to be sent back to England. Mangles was not rewarded for his gallantry at the time, but about twelve months later his deed was brought to light by the journal of a surgeon in which was recorded the gratitude of the wounded soldier. Mangles afterwards received the Victoria Cross he had so richly deserved. The modesty which allowed the event to remain unknown to those in authority for so long a time is not the least remarkable feature in the story. Equally heroic was the exploit of MacDonnell. Always in the front, and always in the thick of the fight, he greatly distinguished himself, and many a rebel fell beneath his unerring fire. Though wounded, he fought with the same dashing gallantry during the retreat. On reaching the river, he assisted those more severely wounded than himself to embark. Then, when all were on board, he entered the last boat. The breeze was blowing favourably for their escape, and deliverance seemed to be at hand. But the rebels had taken away the oars and tied the helm, so that the boat was carried back again towards the bank it had just left. A shower of the enemy's musket balls came thick and fast. Certain destruction stared the weary soldiers in the face. MacDonnell, seeing the state of affairs, called upon the men to cut the ropes which prevented the rudder from being worked. Secure under the covered roof of the boat, the men would not stir. MacDonnell then went out onto the roof, knife in hand, and cut the fastenings of the rudder amid a very storm of bullets from the bank, some of which passed through his helmet but did no other damage. Then, seizing the tiller, he guided the boat to the opposite side of the stream in safety, 
thus saving the lives of thirty-five men we may judge of the peril in which he was placed when we know that during the passage of the river three men were shot dead and three severely wounded macdonough afterwards received the crowning glory of the victoria cross End of chapter eight